have come to seek and save that which is lost. And oh God, we thank you that you came into our world. We thank you, Jesus. I am so thankful this morning. Lord Jesus, as I remember you coming into my lost world and finding me and rescuing me and taking me and bringing me close, not making me religious, not putting burden upon me, not weighing me down with with religious things, but setting me free like a bird from a cage, free to fly, Lord. We want to thank you this morning, Jesus, that, Lord, you came and you've brought us close and you've given us peace. Jesus, this morning, we pray as we listen to your word, we ask you to apply it. We ask you to bring us peace in our hearts again, to settle us and, Lord, make us strong and give us that joy and that cheer of heart to go out and meet the world about us. To bring your kingdom where there is need. Lord, your blessing and wholeness where there is lack. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. We're a happy, clappy church. Let's give him a happy clap this morning. Woohoo! Oh, great. You may be seated. Fantastic. Well, I have um, some amazing friends here this morning. And... Um, I hope I don't get a bit emotional. Oh my God. I tell you what. um, I have two very, very close friends, like my mum and dad, here this morning. Dave and Carol Roberts. Dave, Carol, would you stand up a minute and just give everybody a wave? Woo! Just before I begin, Dave and Carol, um, I've known for 30 years now. And um, when I was 15 years of age... Uh, Dave and Carol just, uh, just began to tell me about Jesus and help me. And this is why I have turned out the way I am. If you don't like it, blame them. Don't stone me, stone them. But you know what? Isn't it great to have long-standing people in your life? You know, we walk through life and we walk down the corridor of time. And it's important that we have you know, sort of pillars and, and, and people in our lives that are a blessing, that are, that are there to encourage us and, and take us on and take us through. And Dave and Carol, to me and Faye, and my family, in fact, are people like that. They've been a great blessing. So we really do count it an honor, Dave, Carol, to have you here this morning. What a great blessing. And they're currently uh, pastoring in America. So, you know, for them to come over, they, they're over... Um, with with family, but for them to come here this morning is um, such a great honor for me personally. Amen. Well, this morning, we're going to just be continuing on what we've been speaking about the last uh, few weeks, really, about how Jesus never saw people as an inconvenience. He never, ever saw people as an interruption When you read about Jesus in in the Bible, what you see is a man that gave his life for other people. You know, very often Jesus would walk down the highways and the byways of life, the streets of his time, and he would meet all kinds of different people with very perplexing problems. And yet Jesus never saw any person as an inconvenience. Jesus never ever saw people as an interruption to his time. 
Jesus, when you look at it, you, you know, it doesn't take long to understand that Jesus was a very busy person. He was a man on a mission, but his mission was people. His mission was to, as I've already prayed, to seek and save that which was lost. You know, I, I, I read something quite interesting this week. And um, it's an interesting piece of history. In the 18th century, uh, engineers wanted to build a suspension bridge over uh, the, the, the Niagara Falls, over that river. Uh, they wanted to build a bridge from the, the, the New York side of the river to the Ontario Canadian side of that river. And, you know, they sat down and they, they, they worked out how they could try and build this suspension bridge over this great gulf, over this great raging river. And they, they, they couldn't find a way as to how to do it because of the torrents and the currents of that great raging river. And then one engineer stood on the bank of that river and he decided to fly a kite. Everybody was laughing. Everybody was ridiculing the engineer as he flew his kite. And he flew his kite over the river until it got to the Ontario side, Canada. And to the, to the tail of that kite, he tied a very thin thread. And he, they pulled the thread over and to the, to the end of the thread, they tied a rope. And to the end of the rope, they tied a steel cable. To the end of the steel cable, they started to take over the, the, uh, the RSJs and the, the structural parts until they had built that suspension bridge that everybody was saying couldn't be built. An amazing piece of history. An amazing piece of engineering for that time in the 18th century. It started with a kite. There was an incredible breach between humanity and God that couldn't be bridged. Man tried to get to God and God seemed so far away, so distant, so unreachable. Maybe you think today that God is unreachable. Maybe you think that there's a huge breach between you and God. I know I did. I really did. I felt alone. I felt isolated. I felt that it was impossible to breach the, the, the distance between me and God. Have you ever looked through a telescope at the stars? And, you know, you've looked through the wrong end of the telescope. Heaven seems so far away. The stars seem so distant. But what you have to do is you have to turn the telescope around the right way. And suddenly the distance of heaven suddenly comes and invades your mind and your world. Because you're using the instrumentation correctly. You're using the, the telescope correctly, you're looking through the right way of the scope. And you know, sometimes we have to do that with God. Very often in our minds, we, th we see God as so distant, so removed. The Bible tells us that he's not far away from each one of us. He's trying to come close. He's wanting an invitation from you. You see, what does God do? To get into our world, he flies a kite over the distance that's between you and him. You, 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 you think it's, it's, it's un, he's unreachable. You think the, di the distance is unbridgeable. So God flies a kite and he, he offers you an invitation. He says, come to me. 
Open your heart, open your mind. Just cry out that four-letter word that you've used so often. Help! 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 He'll hear it. He'll respond to it. He'll come close. Just that four-letter word, not these highfalutin prayers that we're so acquainted with that seem so cold and dead and boring. Help is the greatest prayer that any man or any woman or any child or any human being could ever pray. Help. The Bible is full of men and women and children that have prayed such a prayer. And that prayer is like the kite that goes over the breach, that goes over the raging river of life, that tries to obscure you from God and isolate you from God and tell you that God is cold and distant and hard. No, God sent his son into the world to save it and help it and bless it and bring it close again. Jesus was God's bridge into our world, over the raging issues of life, over the obstructions of life. And the Bible says that he died on a cross. His love covered our sin, our multitude of sins, so that we could have new life with him. You see, God never sees our lives, any of our lives, as an interruption We may think, well, you know, God is busy, you know, with all the universes and keeping the the world spinning and and the stars shining and the, the sun blazing. Surely he's got too much on his mind to bother about little old me. No, no, you couldn't be more wrong. You couldn't be more wrong. You're the, you're the apple of his eye. You're the object of his attention. The Bible says that uh, if you were to try and calculate his thoughts about you, that they would outnumber the sands on the shores of the sea. God is intimately and affectionately interested in you. He bled and died on a cross. The cross that you see pictured on the shelves of, of people's homes, on the walls of, of people's homes. This God is interested in you. And Jesus went preaching one day in his hometown, Nazareth, in Luke chapter 4. It was his first sermon. Jesus is out on the loose. Jesus, we said, opens up his diary And he tells church what's going to be happening for the next three years of his life. And basically he unpacks it and he unloads it in the service. And he says, listen guys, I'm not going to be in this building much. I'm going to be out there more than I am in here. And he begins to list all the people groups and all of the invitations that he's heading towards with his life. Let me read it to you says, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Jesus wanted to get out where the poor was. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted. You see, you may have an idea today that Jesus is this aloof person. 
in stained glass windows, locked up behind history's door. No, Jesus is a relevant person. He says, I want to go and preach to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. I want to get to the brokenhearted. I want to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book. And he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say to them, now this is where it gets a bit rough. This is where the earthquake tremor goes through their hearts. Because they had understood a historic God. They had been comfortable to sit under history. But suddenly, before their very eyes, Jesus is saying, I'm taking God out of history. I'm here this morning to declare to you, he's here in the flesh. And they didn't like that. And he began to say to them, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. And all bear witness to him and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said... Is this not Joseph's son? Oh. Think about that statement. Is this not Joseph's son? Is this not Joseph's son? Jesus, we're happy with you holding a hammer in your hand and banging nails into wood. We're happy coming, you coming round our house, Jesus, and putting up our fence. We're happy, Jesus, with you making some chairs in your dad's carpentry shop. We're happy, Jesus, with you making some furniture for our homes. Is this not Joseph's son? You see, they wanted to classify him. They wanted to put a frame around him. They, they wanted to belittle him and diminish him and dwarf him down to their understanding. This is Joseph's son. Who does he think he is? He's not going to rise above the, the carpentry business of his father. Nothing good comes out of Nazareth. In fact, because they had no expectation or no understanding or no honor for the prophet that was in their midst. The Bible says that Jesus could do no mighty work. In his hometown because of their unbelief. They were happy with a God that was entombed dead in history. Do you know our world is happy with a historical God? The world over we're happy to sing Handel's Messiah. The world over we're happy to look at Michelangelo's interpretations of God in art galleries. Why are we happy to do that? Because it keeps God entombed in history. But the moment people get up and say, today these words are fulfilled in your midst. The moment people get up and say, Emmanuel, God with us. The moment people get up and say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. The moment people get up and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, all hell going to break loose just like it did for Jesus but let it break loose let it come because the Holy Ghost lives inside us he's with us Woo-hoo! fantastic Jesus is out the young rookie I mean he's unpacking his preaching it's done in five minutes I mean he's not a long-winded preacher he hasn't got you know t- You know, his ministry isn't teeming 
with, you know, non-essentials. He just gets up, does the business, closes the book, sits down and says, today this is fulfilled in your midst. This is a man that has an understanding of who he is. And what was he saying when he read these words, when he declared these things? He was saying, there's more to me than meets the eye. I'm not who you think I am. I'm not just the carpenter from Nazareth. I'm not just the kid who builds fences, furniture, and knocks nails in wood. I'm the one spoken spoken about in prophecy. And today, it's all coming about. It's fulfilled. It's fulfilled. I'm here to go to the poor. I'm here to heal the brokenhearted. I am here to set the captives free. I am here to do business for God. I have come, the Hebrew writer says. Oh, lo, it is written in the volume of the book. I am come to do thy will, O God. And when a man or a woman sets out to do the will of God and gives their lives over for it, their time over for it, you watch the opposition that comes. But God will be their assistant and their help and their strength and their tower. Wonderful. Wonderful. This is Joseph's boy. This is Joseph's son. Who does he think he is? Just a month earlier at his baptism, the Spirit of God had come down on him and John had said, Behold the Lamb of God. There's a man that has a revelation as to who he is. There's a man that who sees not Joseph's son, the carpenter's boy, but the man sent from God. Behold, the Lamb of God that has come to take away the sin of the world. He gets baptized. The Spirit comes on him. The heavens open. And God declares now. God steps forward and he says, this is my son. In who I am well pleased. He didn't say this is Joseph's son that lives on 38 Nazareth Road. No way. He said this is my son in who I am well pleased. In fact Isaiah the prophet thousands of years before seeing down the corridor of time. Speaking of Jesus said. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will rest on his shoulders. He will be called, not Joseph's son, he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God. And if they had only realized, if they had only understood, if they had only opened their heart to really believe the word of God, they would have understood that Wonderful, Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God was reading from the scriptures that day, but they were so blinkered. Their minds were so closed. They were so imprisoned by their world of religion. 400 years of darkness since Malachi to John the Baptist had eclipsed and removed their sense and their understanding of God. There had been no revelation, but Jesus stood up And he said, I've come to preach the kingdom, the good news to the poor. I've come to release the captive. And I want to tell you today, I want to tell you today that we do not look back at a historic God. The Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, today, yes and forever. He is the same in our midst as he was when he walked all of those thousands of years ago in the Middle East. He's wonderful. He is awesome. But Jesus had had gone under the approbation of his father. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. He'd gone through a wilderness experience for 40 days. 
He defeated the devil on every front. And then he'd gone from the fullness of the spirit and he'd come out of that wilderness in the power of the spirit. Now clothed to do business. Now clothed with God's power. And he stands up in church. And all he gets back is, isn't this Joseph's son? What are people saying about you? How are people classifying you? What expectations are they trying and limitations are they trying to put on you? Maybe it's time to blow the dust off the book and begin to look at what God's saying about you. I think you'd be very surprised as to, as to, you know, as to what God thinks about you. He doesn't speak about you as if you're a piece of rubbish under his foot. You have so, so much dignity and, and, and so much admiration in God's mind. If only you could understand it. If only I could understand it, our lives would never be the same. They really wouldn't. And Jesus gives them a few little parables as to, you know, why their hearts were so hard. And suddenly, listen now, and don't get any ideas. They pull him off the stage and try, drag him outside And they tried to throw him off a cliff. Why? Why is that? Because when, you know, when you take history out of history and you say today it's fulfilled in your midst, people start to get agitated and affected because now you're not putting God in a religious frame. You're breaking it through and he's breaking out and he's being to you what everybody tells you he can't be. Jesus said, I'm going to the poor. And he went to the poor. I said last week, you know, I've seen poor people that live in detached houses with rolling lawns and and executive cars parked outside double garages. I've seen an impoverishment with people that have, you know, uh, high paying jobs and their hearts are empty. And I've spoken to such people. I've been, I've been probably like you are with very wealthy people and I've seen a hole in their soul. Robbie Williams sp- sang about it. He says, there's a hole in my soul. You can see it in my face. It's a really big place. You see, as people, our lives are like a jigsaw. We build it from the outside in and you put every little piece in. And you build the jigsaw with great care, with great detail, with great investment and time. And you do everything. We like this as human beings, all of us. And we put this piece in and that piece in and this piece in. And then we stand back and we look at the the emerging picture and we say, wow, haven't we done well? We've got bigger houses and bigger cars. We've got children and family and and everything seems to be moving towards the center. It's all great. But why does it still feel so empty? I'll tell you why. It's the age-old question of this world. I'll tell you why it's it's so empty. It's because there's a gaping God-shaped hole in the middle of it all. And the only thing, the only person that can come into that picture of your life, that emerging picture from the jigsaw of life is Jesus. And the great thing is this, he's so willing to come in right to the center and bring it all together and help. He really is. I would never have thought 
that Jesus would have come into my life. You know, repeatedly over the years, I've said from, from this platform, I was a terrible sinner, I was. Oh, I was, I was the world's worst. I was a terrible sinner. Well, I was in the foyer a couple of months ago, and a man came up to me, and he said, Dave, you keep telling us that you were a terrible sinner. I mean, what kind of sins were you involved in? It's an interesting question. Have you got about 15 years for me to tell you? It's, a, it's an interesting question. He said, you keep telling us that you were a terrible sinner. What kind of sinner was you? I said, oh, I was world famous. I was a world famous sinner. I was such a bad sinner that the Bible writes about me. That's how bad I was. And guess what? Just to encourage you, you're in the book too. We're all in the same boat, friends. The Bible tells us that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. I was so bad that I was dead in it. I was stinking. I was rotten. There's nothing good about this vicar, let me tell you. But Jesus took a hold of him. Jesus reached into that death. Jesus reached into that mud pit. Jesus reached into that that helpless life and he redeemed it. He pulled it up. He made it live again when there was only death. And he can do the same for every single one of us in here this morning. He's awesome. He's wonderful. He's fantastic. He is never inconvenienced by your life. He is never interrupted by your need. He takes it as an invitation to come in and just bless you and help you and heal you and make you whole. Just this week... I was, um, I had to take the car down to the garage and um, I had to just drop it off and, and one of the service engineers just took me back home and um, on the way home, I could see he was a bit pale and he was limping in the car and you know, but this guy, you know, is a, is a white collar worker, he's got everything together, it looks like on the outside, you see the pieces of the puzzle are all there. It all looks good. But when there's a gaping hole in the picture, your eyes are never drawn to all of the the externals. You can't take your eyes off the gaping hole. You're looking there. I, I tried to fill it with alcohol. I tried to fill it with everything. But everything that I put into it, it swallowed up and there was no meaning, no purpose. In comes Jesus. Ba bam, everything sorted. Everything sorted, friends. I'm telling you now, everything sorted. Picture complete from the center out. So this guy, I'm traveling, and as we're going up towards home, he says to me, he said, I've got to go back to the office. I feel ill. I said, oh, okay, mate. He said, "I, I really, really feel sick, and I can see him panicking. And I said, well, I didn't, actually, I didn't say anything to him. He said, oh, yeah, he said, um, he said, you know, he said, last year I lost my dad. And it really, really affected me. It knocked me so hard. Life knocks us hard. None of us here can escape it. Every single one of us are acquainted with tragedy. Every single one of us here this morning know the rip of it and the tear of a relationship going wrong. Every single one of us know the darkness of fear, depression. All of us know 
Times of uncertainty, financially, life is hard, life hits us, tragedy comes. The storms of life hit every home without exception. And this man is telling me about his dad, lost his dad. And then he says, he says, after that, he said, he said, my nephew died suddenly. And he said, that just sent me, he said, he said, I I lost my head. He said, I've been off work for a year. He said, I just ran out of the funeral. I couldn't handle it. I can't handle life, he said. I said, oh, sir, please. Please, sir. I know this is going to sound strange. Please, please, sir. I said, but I am a minister of a church. Please, would you allow me to pray for you? Please, sir. I cannot do anything for you, sir. But I know a man named Jesus. The Bible calls him the Prince of Peace. The Bible says that he is the wonderful counselor. The Bible says, sir, that he is a savior and a deliverer. The Bible says, sir, that he can come at at, at the time of need and be an ever-present help. Sir, I cannot do anything for you, but would you allow me to pray for you? He said, oh, please pray for me. Please pray for me. And I prayed as we were driving down. I said, Lord Jesus, I cannot go to where this man needs help, where this man needs aid. But you are the Prince of Peace. You are the healer. You are the deliverer. And we prayed there together. He drove me home. I said, you know what? If you ever, I said, I didn't, you see, I didn't say, come to King's Church, Lower Dock Street. I said, here's my home. I said, there's the door. I said, if you ever need me, you knock on my door. You come into my house, you see. You see, friends, we're going to be more out of here than we are in here in the days to come. Because the Holy Spirit is going to come upon us. The Holy Spirit is going to move on us. And we're going to go out to the poor and out to the broken and out to those that are, that, that are on the fringes. The harvest is mighty. The harvest has never ever been so great in this land. And God is going to do something. God is going to move upon us. And our, our hearts are going to break for the needs of people. The needs of people. Jesus said, we'll finish with this one today. Ask the musicians to come. Jesus said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. I've come to heal the brokenhearted. Let me ask you, do you have a broken heart this morning? Maybe people have looked at that and ridiculed that, despised that. Oh, there they go again. They messed up again. They they, they thought, we thought they were on their feet for a while. And then suddenly, you know, they've just returned to default. Jesus has come to heal the brokenhearted. Do you know what that means literally? It means to be under the heel of a conqueror. Are you, is your life under the heel of a conqueror? Let me tell you now from experience, not some theory cooked up in a book. I'm talking about my own life. My life has been under the heel of a conqueror. 
under the heel of fear. My life has been under the heel of depression. My life has been under the heel of sorrow and misunderstanding and confusion. And when you're under the heel of hurt and pain, the weight coming down on your life is almost unbearable. You cry day after day, week after week, month after month sometimes. And my wife will tell you, it's true. Thank God for good wives and good husbands. But my life, times, it's been under a heavy heel, a heavy heel of fear and depression, loneliness and obscurity, wandering confusion. And then suddenly, suddenly the Savior comes. The one that people would like to isolate into history. He comes with all of his goodness and all of his fullness. Not with a scowl on his face, but a smile. Joy in his heart. Anointed above his fellow men with the oil of gladness. He comes and he takes the heel off your life. Suddenly you're free. David, many years ago, thousands of years ago, in fact, said this. My soul escaped like a bird. From the snare that had caught me. Has a snare caught you? You can't fly anymore. You're not free to do anything. I've been there. I'll tell you, I'll tend, I'll tell you as honestly as I can. But suddenly he comes in his beauty and in his wonder as Savior, as Redeemer, as Helper, as the one that forgives and restores and heals and binds up the wounds. He enables you to fly again. He takes the heel off. He takes the heavy burden off. I'm here to tell you today. 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 Jesus is not a figure in history. He's a person present here this morning. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you. Let's bow our heads this morning. Close our eyes. We've got just moments before we finish. I'd love to pray just a very simple prayer with you this morning. Maybe you've been under the heel of a conqueror. A circumstance has conquered you. You're held under its heel. Your heart has been broken. God doesn't expect you to get up and tell everybody what that broken heart is. God will hold it with care. It's a very private moment here now. A very intimate moment. And I'm going to pray for people who are broken hearted this morning. Where life has come. And it's clipped your wings. You can no longer fly. A prayer. One word help. Will set you free. One word help. Will get you flying again. One word in the right direction toward God. When you've spoken it to people, your, 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 your cry has gone on deaf ears. It's been ignored. But you're not an inconvenience to him. You're not an interruption to his other programs that he's got running. He hasn't got any other programs running. You are the object of his care and of his attention. And I want to pray with you right now. Let's close our eyes. Nobody's looking. If you want to ask Jesus into your heart right now, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand up. I'm going to pray with you. I see your hands. That's it. There's hands going up. 
That's it. Don't be ashamed. That's it. Lift your hands this morning. Yep, there's hands. That's it. We're just going to say, help, Jesus. Oh, help me with life. Bless me, Jesus. I'm telling you something now. Your life is never going to be the, be the same again. Why? Because Jesus is going to hold your hand. Jesus is going to come, not live in a stained glass window, but suddenly you're going to find him in your heart. Suddenly the piece, the centerpiece of the jigsaw, the puzzle of your life is going to be put in place and everything's going to be right. We'd love you to come to this church in the future. If you never come through the doors again, you've made your peace with God. You have made your peace with God today. Lift your hands up. I'll see it. Lift your hands up, Father. Right now, I pray for every lifted hand, even hands that are not lifted, but hearts are lifted. Oh, Jesus, we ask you to help us. Help us with life. Oh, God, forgive us for the sins that we've committed. Wash us clean, we ask you. In simplicity, would you give us a shower on the inside? Would you wash us and give us the peace that we so desperately need? We ask it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet. I think we could give the king a bit of a shout, a bit of a praise. Listen, hold on to your false teeth this morning. Don't worry if they fly out and hit the person in front of you. Just go for it. We're going to sing as we go. But listen, I tell you now, Jesus is in this place and he's heard your prayer. Let's be happy.